We have been uh, going through a series here at the church called Extra Grace Required. Um, this is our third week, and, and uh, Pastor Steve kicked it off sharing with us about how to handle needy people. And last week, Matt Coyne talked about how we can respond to people who are trying to manipulate us. Uh, this week, we're going to keep it going. We're going to talk about how to react to Christian hypocrites. Uh, and in 2005, uh, I was in Bible college, and the, my denomination had uh, their annual leadership conference. And everyone was very excited for this year. Um, we had a big shot speaker coming in. They'd, they had managed to bring this guy in, um, and he was very well known. This is a guy named Ted Haggard, and a couple of you may have heard of him. Um, and this guy was not only a pastor of a huge church, he was an author, and he was the president of this massive organization called the National Association of Evangelicals that all of these small to medium denominations were a part of, the Free Methodist Church, Assemblies of God, the Wesleyan Church, all of these denominations were part of this group, and he was the leader. And so I don't remember, you know, 10 years ago, I don't remember what he said anymore, but I remember this conference was a great success. And so I was shocked uh, not too long after that in November 2006 to find out that this same guy that I had seen in person speaking at this conference um, had confessed to buying methamphetamines from a, a male prostitute who alleged that he had slept with him. And this, this guy is the same guy who was publicly lobbying against the legalization of same-sex marriage, and then he's buying drugs and probably a lot more um, from this guy. And so at that point, the whole world could see that he was not who he was pretending to be. Thousands of people in his church and many more across the country were disappointed that the man that they looked up to was, was not as he had seemed. And it's a story we've all heard many times before, right? So televangelists with uh, you know, big hair, crazy suits, shiny white teeth are caught betraying the values that they've been preaching from our TVs. Uh, politicians cultivate a certain image and they criticize their opponents uh, but they're often caught doing those very same things that they've been criticizing. So when you hear stories like this, we all feel this sense of indignation, really, at their hypocrisy. Um, and Christian or not, most people really despise hypocrisy. Um, and so did Jesus, by the way. Many, many non-Christians will use that hypocrisy to avoid Jesus, to say, look, there's, there's Christians in the church. I don't want anything to do with that. It's one of the biggest reasons why people avoid Jesus. Um, and Christians, you know, we feel disappointed when, when it's revealed that someone's being hypocritical, but we also feel sad that it may push some others away from what they really need in Jesus. However, it, it's one thing when someone you don't know, someone distant like that, a, a preacher or a politician is acting hypocritically. It's quite another thing when it's personal, when someone you know, when a friend maybe, is acting hypocritically. And how do we handle that? Uh, it's a, certainly a situation that requires a little extra grace. You know, what happens when your friend tells someone, oh, I never touch alcohol, but you know they were passed out drunk last night? Uh, what happens when someone acts cheerful and friendly on Sunday, but the rest of the week they're filled with rage and anger and unforgiveness? What happens when your ministry director who asked everyone to 
not watch any R-rated movies or secular music, uh, has to step down because he has an addiction to pornography and sexual misconduct? What about when your widowed care pastor uh, develops a relationship with a counselee and she leaves her husband for him? Those are a couple of situations that have happened to me. And I know you've probably got situations like that in your life too, where someone who claims one thing is living another way. All of this begs the question, how should we respond to hypocrisy in situations like this? So before we answer this question, uh, we need to clarify, there really is a big difference between uh, a hypocrite and a Christian who sins. Most Christians acknowledge their sins, ask forgiveness, and seek to change. It's, it's a normal part of the Christian life. Uh, but hypocrites try to pretend like they've never sinned and don't need forgiveness. They don't practice what they preach. So all hypocrites are sinners, but not all sinners or Christians who sin are hypocrites. And when we consider how to respond, we also need to ask a couple clarifying questions. This will help you in the decision-making process. Number one, are they a Christian? If they're not a believer, they need to hear the gospel. They need to be loved more than they need to be challenged to a more Christ-like morality. Uh, and question number two, do I have a relationship with them? Because this will greatly affect how they respond how, and how you interact with them. For this morning, we're gonna talk about how to respond to Christian hypocrites with whom we have some sort of a relationship. So let's take a look uh, this morning at what Jesus had to say about this. If you've read the Gospels, those first four books of the New Testament that tell the story of the life of Jesus, you'll see that Jesus was a friend of sinners who taught them about God, healed their sicknesses, and forgave their sins. He hung out with prostitutes, alcoholics, and gluttons, and corrupt tax collectors. But yet Jesus saved his strongest rebukes, not for those sinners, but for the hypocritical Pharisees. He called them blind guides, and he even said to them, snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Jesus goes on and on and on about how corrupt they are on the inside while displaying this outer sense of piety. In Matthew 15, seven through eight, he says, you hypocrites to the Pharisees, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And these Pharisees were an influential religious sect in first century Judaism, and they taught extremely strict adherence to the Torah or the Jewish law. They even made up extra rules. You know, just in case anybody came close to breaking the rules, they had extra rules in place to keep you from breaking the real rules. Uh, they tithed on their herb gardens. They ceremonially washed their hands. They memorized the scriptures, and they never, ever worked on the Sabbath. They strived to follow the law of God perfectly, and they condemned others who did not follow the law. But yet their hearts were far from God. They were extremely faithful to the law of God, but their hearts were far from him. And Jesus strongly rebuked them for their hypocrisy. So that's Jesus. Uh, what about the apostle Paul? Uh, Paul wrote a massive chunk of the New Testament and has formed a lot of uh, our perspectives on following Jesus. And how did he respond to hypocrisy as a follower of Christ? When we look at his letters, we can see 
that Paul never backed down from confronting hypocrisy. In Romans 2, verse 1, Paul says, You may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do those very same things. Paul confronted members of the Roman church who were condemning and shaming sinners, and he said, you do those very same things. He goes on to say in verse 4, don't you see... He's pleading with them. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Paul points out the grace of God towards them, and that is how they should respond to people who sin. They should be kind, tolerant, and patient with sinners. He says that God's kindness will turn all of us from our sin and we should be kind as we seek to turn others from their sin. Uh, When the apostle Peter began to act hypocritical, Paul confronted him. Paul didn't mess around. There were some Jewish Christians in this time who said that all Christians had to follow the Jewish law, which commanded circumcision and it forbid Jews from eating with non-Jews or Gentiles. And Paul had, or Peter had caved into pressure from this crowd, and Paul called him out. Let's read this story in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Um, he was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles Follow the Jewish traditions. So Paul here, there's a lot of specifics here, but Paul is pointing out the hypocrisy of Peter. Peter preached salvation through faith in Christ. And Peter was living like salvation is through following the Jewish law. He was pretending to be something that he was not, and Paul called him out. So how do we respond to these hypocritical people who demand a little extra grace from us. When we look at Jesus and Paul, we see that they chose to confront hypocrisy when they encountered it. And I think we should follow their example. But when we encounter hypocrisy, most of us really drift towards two responses. Uh, we either avoid it and ignore it, maybe we, we hope it just goes away or gets better, or we take the other extreme. We attack a person, we tear them down personally. Um, for their behavior. And those two extremes I'm here to tell you today are not your only options. And those are not the way that we see in Scripture. In the book Crucial Conversations, author Carrie Peterson says that the mistake most of us make in our crucial conversations is we believe we have to choose between telling the truth and keeping a friend. And maybe you feel that you can't confront your friend because you'll lose that relationship that friendship. And I want to let you know today that there's a way to confront hypocrisy 
while still loving and supporting your hypocritical friend. There is a way to help them leave their sin while still maintaining a good relationship. And maybe that's hard for you to believe this morning. If you're anything like me, you know, you hear that word confront and you kind of just want to back away slowly out of the room, hope that no one notices. Uh, If someone starts to ever so slightly raise their voice, uh, suddenly you find something absolutely critical to do in the next room, maybe across the state line, hundreds of miles away. And I grew up doing that. Uh, I was raised in rural Wisconsin, which is settled mostly by Scandinavians. My mom is half Norwegian, half Swedish. um, And like any good Scandinavian in that culture, I grew up avoiding conflict. Uh, You see, we Scandinavians, we can avoid conflict for decades uh, until we either explode or implode because that turns out that's what happens when you avoid conflict. Um, And as I've gotten older, I've come to understand that confrontation can be healthy and productive if it's handled the right way. It can be done. We saw earlier that the Apostle Paul never backed down from confronting hypocrisy. Let's take a look at a passage uh, that talks about how to confront a fellow Christian. If you have your Bible with you, uh, open it up to Galatians 6.1. It'll be up on the screens as well. Let's take a look. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Now, this is how we should respond to a Christian hypocrite. The church family of Christians who fall into hypocrisy should gently and carefully help that person restore their integrity. That's what I want you to remember today. The church family of Christians who fall into hypocrisy should gently and carefully help that person restore their integrity. This morning, I wanna dig a little bit deeper into this verse and discover three prayers that we should learn to pray when we must confront a hypocrite. The first prayer is this, God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. As we see here in Galatians, the goal of of any confrontation with a fellow believer who has sinned is restoration. It's not about being right and then being wrong. It's about restoration. It's not about making yourself look more righteous or a better person than them. It's about restoration. It's not about shaming them. It's about helping someone get back on track when they've lost their way. Have you ever uh, dislocated a joint or broken a bone? That's what it's like. Just as a person might have a bone that is broken or out of joint in their body, which has rendered it both painful and useless, uh, a hypocrite needs to be restored back to their place in the body of Christ. They cause pain and dysfunction until they are restored. And the goal is for them to once again be a healthy member of the faith community with integrity in their behavior. Now, my daughter was just up here. She was the one that screamed, hi, daddy, in the middle of the blessing of the backpacks. Um, but I confront hypocrisy on a very basic level with my kids. Um, And as any parent of young kids knows, kids are very hypocritical. Um, My two-year-old will, she will yell at her sister, oh, she's not sharing this toy with me. You need to share that toy. But the moment you try to make her hand it over, there is no way that she's giving up that toy. 
as a parent, it's my responsibility there to confront uh, her when she's not sharing. My goal is not for her to, you know, be deprived of something. My goal is not to coerce her to comply, but to facilitate a change of heart using the appropriate discipline. And my goal is for her to be a generous person and to stop being so possessive. The goal of confrontation is restoration. Another thing I wanna point out here is that for a person to be restored, there must be some sort of confrontation. A, a Christian's hypocrisy is very often due to a blind spot in their life. I know I've had plenty of my own, and they won't get back on the right path without another believer opening their eyes to their hypocrisy. Letting someone know, hey, you're saying this and your actions aren't lining up. And I wanna, I'm with you, I wanna help you uh, get back on track. Uh, if you simply avoid confrontation, here's the thing, you are refusing to play a part in that person's restoration. That restoration requires confrontation. James lets us know just how critical it is to bring back a Christian who is wandering from their faith. James 5 says, uh, 19 through 20 says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and will bring about the forgiveness of many sins. If someone is restored, it's, it's a wonderful thing, it's awesome. And you could be the person who brings back a wandering sinner. Maybe you have a friend who says they care about the poor, but they never take time out of their day or money out of their bank account to help someone in need. Maybe you have a friend who says they love God with their whole heart, but they spend 10 times as much time playing Pokemon Go on their iPhone as they do in prayer and scripture reading. And friends like this need your loving confrontation to, to wake them up and to show them that their actions are contradicting their words. My favorite professor in Bible college uh, was also the dean of students. And he was an amazing professor, but he had a story. Uh, this guy was the most well-read person I have ever interacted with uh, personally. And he was well-versed in theology and multiple schools of philosophy. But as much knowledge of the truth as he had, he drifted into severe alcoholism while being a respected professor at a conservative college that looked suspiciously even at occasional alcohol use. He was pretending to be something that he was not. Eventually, he was confronted. He spent three years uh, out of the ministry, and after three years, he was restored to his former position on staff and has been there now for years and years, and part of the reason I'm here today is because of his ministry. And he's there because people confronted him and wanted to see his life changed. Restoration is possible, it can be done. Uh, we've seen how important it is to confront hypocrisy. Let's talk a little bit about how we might do that. One of the things I've learned is that if you want someone to hear you when you have a serious thing to address like this, when you want someone to hear you, you need to be in their corner. If you want your confrontation to produce any sort of positive change, you need to let them know that you are on their side. Many necessary confrontations have been wasted because they've been given in anger or in pride or self-righteousness. In that book I mentioned earlier, Crucial Conversations, they say 
At the foundation of every successful confrontation lies safety. When others feel frightened or nervous or otherwise unsafe, you can't talk about anything. But if you can create safety, you can talk with almost anyone about almost anything. The authors go on to suggest that people will feel unsafe when they believe one of two things. The person that initiates the confrontation does not have mutual respect or mutual purpose. If the person who is straight into hypocrisy believes that uh, you have the same goals, they are most likely to take your words to heart and to maintain a good relationship with you. If the way you approach the confrontation makes them feel that you don't respect them uh, or that you don't have the same purpose in mind, then they are less likely to change and they're less likely to maintain the same level of relationship. Okay, so the first prayer was, God help me to confront with the goal of restoration. The second prayer we should learn to pray is this, God help me to confront with caution. Caution, why caution? Paul tells the Galatians to be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. If you confront someone who is gossiping, be very careful not to gossip about them. If you confront someone who is being judgmental, be very careful not to be judgmental towards them. By the way, that's one of the most common things that I see all the time um, in our culture. We hate judgmental people, and so we are very judgmental of judgmental people, um, and we need to keep an eye out for that. Be careful. We should confront with humility because we recognize that we have our own weaknesses. We should think, this person fell into hypocrisy, but next time, it could be me. They uh, lied this time, but I've done that before. They have a gambling addiction, but I could fall into the same trap. We should recognize that we are not any better before God than they are, but we are all in need of God's grace. Our righteousness is in Christ, not in our own godliness, which puts us all on an even playing field before God. So in addition to humility, we should confront with self-awareness. Be aware of your weaknesses. Be aware of your sins. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you know that you're prone to addiction, stay away from alcohol. Be careful with your pain medications. If you know that you're prone to pornography, get an internet filter. Put your computer in the living room where everyone's around. If you're prone to greed, make a budget item to give a certain amount of money away every month. Listen, if the apostle Peter can be led astray into hypocrisy, so can I and so can you. Uh, and this brings us to our third prayer this morning. God, help me to see when I am the hypocrite. Hypocrisy is almost always blind. The most difficult hypocrite to spot is that one who's staring back at you in the mirror. We need the Holy Spirit and we need the family of faith to help us to see those blind spots in our lives. Because we are so blind and often so tolerant of our own sins, the hypocrite that you need to most aggressively confront is you. You need to hate your own sin and be watchful for ungodly behavior in your life. Once you identify it, you need to confess your sins and ask God for forgiveness. You need to feed your desires to love God and to love people, and you need to starve your desires for sin with your, the choices that you make. 
Jesus tells us that we should be more conscious of our own sins than someone else's sins. We should repent of the big sins in our life before we go trying to help someone else remove the small sins in their life. Check out uh, Matthew 7, 1 through 5 with me. And this first verse here, many people use, and, and they don't always realize the context of it here, but this is what it says. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck, a piece of sawdust in your friend's eye, when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. This doesn't mean we don't deal with specks, but it does mean that we deal with our own logs of sin first. And we always confront with a humble attitude. So when you realize that you must confront a friend who's behaving like a hypocrite, take a long look uh, at your own soul to see where your own life does not look quite like Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal parts of your life that do not yet honor God. Be open when a fellow believer points out areas of your life where your behavior does not line up with your words. We are all sinners saved by grace, so there's no need to be defensive or self-righteous. I know that's an easy thing that I can do sometimes, but it's okay to be a sinner saved by grace. If you're here today and God's been showing you that there's some hypocrisy in your life, we want you to know that we're in your corner. We hope that you repent and learn to live with integrity, but you're always welcome here regardless. We will always love you. We just want to see you back on the right path. We want to see you showing people Jesus with us. There's forgiveness in Christ, and there's many people here in this church family who would love to walk with you through the repentance process. There's always room for one more hypocrite here uh, who is learning to live like Jesus. Okay, so we've taken a look this morning at Galatians 6.1. We've learned that the church family of Christians who fall into hypocrisy should gently and carefully help people restore their integrity. We found three prayers that we should learn to pray when we must confront a hypocrite. God, help me to confront with the goal of restoration. God, help me to confront with caution. And God, help me to see when I'm the hypocrite. If you're here today and you've been avoiding a tough conversation with a friend who's fallen into hypocrisy, I'd encourage you to take a look at your own heart and gently and carefully confront that person so their integrity can be restored. Don't refuse to play a part in their restoration. Um, if you've done it the wrong way, if you've confronted someone in an accusatory and angry manner, ask that person for forgiveness for the way you handled it and seek to rebuild that relationship. Treat them the way that you would want to be treated and seek their forgiveness. Uh, if you've discovered some hypocrisy in your own heart, take a minute right now to get right with God. Uh, admit to God your hypocrisy and ask God to forgive you from your sins. He is rich in mercy and he's always ready to forgive us. If we confess our sins, the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can say, God, I've been pretending to be someone that I'm not. I haven't been practicing what I preach. Please forgive me and help me get back on track. 
So as we finish up this morning, if you identify with any one of those situations, if you need to have a tough conversation, if you've done it the wrong way, uh, or if God's revealing hypocrisy in your own heart, uh, let's pray together this morning. And pray with me and say, Father, I have sinned against you. I want to live more like Jesus than I have been living. Holy Spirit, help me to live a life of integrity and to ask for forgiveness when I sin against you. Give me opportunities to encourage other people to follow you with their whole heart. I surrender my whole life to you. Father, we thank you that though we have um, all had our moments of hypocrisy, though we have sinned uh, in many ways, Lord, that your forgiveness is deep, your mercy is rich, you're always waiting for us to come home. Lord, I pray that you would give us um, wisdom and the ability to love people even when we don't love their behavior, Lord. Teach us to be loving in every situation, Lord, and, and Holy Spirit, go with us as we seek to follow you even in these difficult situations, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.